On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. In today's Throwback Thursday episode, we have Nick Ferraro, a.k.a. The Philly Elvis. Way back in 2015, in one of my first episodes, Nick joined me and we talked about the experience of being part of Springsteen and me, and of course that magical night where he got on stage and sang with Bruce. Hope you enjoy, and during this time, remember, wash your hands, keep your distance physically, but socially stay connected and take care of yourself. And welcome to another episode of Set Lusting Bruce, the podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am Jesse Jackson, and I am thrilled to have a somewhat famous Bruce Bud on the show today. Bruce Bud, introduce yourself. Jesse, hey everybody. Uh, my name is Nick Ferraro, and I guess uh, most Bruce Buds know me as the Philly Elvis. Yes, indeed. It was. Uh, what's funny is I was. We were sitting on the porch yesterday. It's unseasonably cool here in Dallas. It's only in the 80s, and my wife and I were enjoying a Friday afternoon. And I said, "Oh, and I'm I'm interviewing the Philly Elvis on the podcast." She goes, huh? I said, you know, on from the film, the one, and she goes, oh yeah, wow, that's pretty a big deal. And I go, yes, it is. I'm excited. <laughs> so um, we're going to get this right off the front. Nick and I have a, we've dis- decided that the magic and music of Bruce allows us a Philly fan and a Cowboy fan to coexist. Though, uh, as we're recording this, the next week they play. So uh, it will be all, all holds barred then. But uh, for now, we're just talking. So, Nick, why don't you start out, tell us a little bit about your Bruce background uh, and a little bit about yourself and then how you found Bruce and how – and then also I want to hear uh, how you got your love of the king. Yeah, sure. Um, first with Bruce, um, it was freshman year high school. Okay. 19, 1975. Okay. Very first day. Um, at, you know, we go to, we had, I had seven classes that I went to that day. And it seemed that every time I went to a different class, I kept seeing the same guy in my class. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would always sort of sit next to each other every class. And then we had lunch together, it was one of our classes. So we sat with each other at lunch and we introduced ourselves and, uh, Turns out that he was a huge Springsteen fan. It's back in 75. Okay. The freshman in high school. And his brother, 
who was two years older than us, um, his brother was the same age as my brother. Okay. And um, they just, um, he's the one that really introduced me to Bruce. And immediately I went out um, after listening to um, some of Bruce's music. When I went to his house, he had, uh, he had at that time, um, all of his albums, which was uh, the first three albums, Born to Run had just came out. Yeah. And um, I went, immediately went out and bought it. And um, I was hooked, man, from that moment on. And uh, this this person, uh, his name is Albert. I call him Bert. Uh, still um, my my best friend today. He actually married into the family. I introduced him to my cousin. Oh, how funny. And, uh, yeah, and we're actually getting together tonight. Uh, we're going to be hanging out. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's how I got uh, introduced. And, and um, you know... It's been it's been such a tremendous tremendous journey, man. With uh, with Springsteen, you know, and looking back of all the great times of Bert and I and other friends, you know, back then when you went to a concert, you know, you basically had to stay overnight, and somebody organized a sheet, and you would give him your name and and uh, number, and then you you had to wait in line. And stay overnight, and then the next morning, when the ticket bo- ticket box office opened, you would get your tickets, and that's how we got tickets back in the day. Um, you know, that's amazing. So uh, we're about the same age. Uh, I would have been a freshman in high school in '72. I graduated in '77, and I remember being at a barber shop, and um, seeing waiting to get my hair cut. And saw either Time or Newsweek him on the cover. And I did not know anything about him. And I was a child of Top 40 Radio. You know, my family were all into Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard and, you know, all these country artists. And I didn't have an older friend or a friend that was into this. So, um, you know, I didn't really discover Bruce until 1980 when a friend of my wife's you know, kind of introduced us. So you got ahead of the curve. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, I immediately took to certain songs early on. Um, I played sports my whole life and, and I was a pitcher, uh, through college. And uh, every time I would have a game, I had my uniform on and everything. Before I left the house, I put on Rosalita. Oh, nice. That was like my, you know, my uh, motivational jumpstart song before yeah. I left the house. And, and, um, so yeah. Um, so, um, so early on, I mean, um, I actually, um, Albert, but my buddy Bert and his brother, mm-hmm. um, and a couple other people had tickets to see Springsteen in 1978. Okay. Darkness tour. And I begged my mom. I wanted to go. She wouldn't let me go. So, Nick, set the stage. This year, 16, maybe? I'm trying to do the uh, math in my head. I was, uh, I, th- well, I was just about turning 17. I was okay. still 16 when that concert happened. At this happened. point, Nick is going, I was assured there'd be no math on this podcast, but uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, so you're 16, 17, height of teenageness. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, you know, my, 
my dad was a sergeant in the Marine Corps and right. uh, being a sergeant in the Marine Corps and an Italian family, um, it was pretty strict in my household. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, so unfortunately I didn't, um, I didn't make it and, uh, and graduated high school with a huge, huge, you know, Bruce fan. Um, and then, um, uh, between high school and college that summer, um, mm-hmm. we actually went to, um, front street in Philly okay. and this was before they built up all the bars. Now this was, this was 1979 and, and me, Bert. And Billy, our other yeah. a very close friend, uh, we would go there and park and sit on top of the roof of our car, of Albert's car, and um, we'd be playing racing in the street because they'd be racing. This is like at midnight. Sure. And um, and I, you know, racing in the street. Every time I hear that song, I just you know vision those back of that. Such a great yeah, such a great time in my life. You know, uh, yeah. being with close friends and and um, experiencing that moment. So, Nick, are you uh, – you grew up in the Philly area? Yep, born and raised in South okay. Philly. Oh, very nice. Um, yep, so hence the uh, huge Eagles fan and yes. using flyers and so on. Yes. Uh, um, on a quick side note, one of my best friends, uh, Gina, um, actually moved to Philly uh, to – she had met a guy uh, – we 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 all worked for the same company, and he was a field technician. She worked in customer service, and she kind of talked to him. And he had visited Dallas, and they had gone on a couple of dates. And she'd gone to Philly and met a couple of dates. So she decided to move to uh, Philly and stayed there, gosh, seven or eight years, and then moved back. And so, um, and she's proof that a mixed marriage can work. She is a diehard cowboy fan. He is a diehard, I mean, you know, you know, bleacher type Eagle fan. I mean, he, I have seen him at games where, I mean, you know, he's just, the Cowboys were blowing them away. And then when the Eagles scored late, he started cussing the Eagles. Why are you bringing that crap now? And, and then just, I mean, he's just total Philly. Right. And so uh, when they had their daughter uh, for um, the baby shower, I bought a Dallas Cowboy and a Philadelphia Eagle baby blanket, and my mom sewed them so that when you flip it, one side's Cowboys, one side's uh, Philly. Ah, uh, nice. And it was um, – and, and the story, of course, is they kept waking up the baby because they would go in and flip you know, <laughs> the side because, uh, you know, I said Uncle Jesse, you know, is is not going to take sides, and, and uh, so – that's wonderful. That's great. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so, um, man, I, I just love the idea, you know, because I'm a fairly new fan becoming obsessed. I love that this is, you know, Bruce has been the music of your life. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I went to uh, freshman year. I went to college and uh, then the river came out. Yeah. It was an anticip. Oh, by the way, too, in yeah. uh, in high school, mm-hmm. um, my friend Bert, his brother Ralph, um, hooked us up with uh, bootleg um, uh, tapes. We had cassette tapes, bootlegs of Bruce Springsteen. And back then, like you never were able to get any type of live Bruce Springsteen music, and that's why today, yeah, I'm so appreciative of E Street Radio. 
um, because, you know, such a, at your fingertips with these street radio and YouTube and everything at your yeah. fingertips, you can pull up any just about any live performance it, of Bruce Springsteen. It really is a magical time. And and to have the, um, you know, I love that on the Bruce Springsteen dot net, you know, they have all the last tour you know shows you can download and then they're doing the different shows from different eras and and it's so much fun i i drove to atlanta uh over before labor day weekend dragon con is this huge science fiction convention that i try to go to every year and this year instead of flying i drove so it's like a 13 or 14 hour drive um so um i listened to a a podcast that i gotta get these guys on they're two friends that are in their 20s they do springtime for springsteen Mm. and they basically the premise is you're stuck in a car with two friends who are not really bruce springsteen fans but bruce springsteen is the only cd you have and so they talk about it and they get everything wrong i mean they but there is so much joy and like when they love a song they just they love the song they went through um the New Year's Eve show uh, that was downloaded and went through each song talking about it. It, it. it was a lot of fun. But So it's getting pretty late at night, and so I put on the Melbourne show, and that got me the last three hours got my drive. I'm just pumping nice. the songs, and I'm just playing it loud. And, oh, yeah. You know, just it is, it is just a magical time that we get to hear all that. Well, this was, this was the late 70s, and yeah. – and at the time, as I mentioned, I didn't I, – I, I had a chance to see Springsteen. I didn't because I wasn't allowed, but I was able to listen to uh, the Passaic, New Jersey, uh, the one in L.A. The Ro- at the Roxy, Cleveland, yeah. uh, the San Francisco show. I think it was Winter Winterland or Winter Wonderland or something like that, and I was able to, he- to really understand um, you know, how he was live. And- yeah. And what that meant and everything. And I was just so, so, so excited to see him. And when The River came out, uh, he set the tour dates. And I did finally see him for the first time uh, December 8th, 1980 at the Spectrum. Nice. And I was with the Spectrum in Philly, which mm-hmm. is which no longer exists. They tore it down. But yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, I, of course I went with Bert and uh, some friends and family. And if you recognize the date of December eighth, nineteen eighty, it was the night that uh, John Lennon died. Wow! And um, and believe it or not, I I, I could envision. I still have the ticket, by the way. I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, take yeah. for the ticket and send it to you. I still have the Good. ticket. And uh, I remember exactly where I was sitting, the first level. We were sitting catty corner from where uh, Clarence Clemens was um, up in the uh, – not on the floor but in the seats. Uh, but we were about maybe 20 rows up catty corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never forget when he first came on stage, man. It was tremendous. And as the show was going on, believe it or not, and this is the God's honest truth, I envisioned me being on stage with him entertaining yeah and being a part of it and you know we'll talk later but yeah you know many years later uh it it actually happened at that same place you know at this so yeah but Uh, but that was just an amazing show that was an amazing show and um 
you know, he did not, I assume he did not get word about uh, John Lennon being shot or anything on the show, right? You didn't find out afterwards. No, he, uh, no, well, of course, you know, right back then, 1980, yeah. December 8th, 1980, no one had cell phones or nothing. Right. So uh, nobody knew in the place. Uh, yeah. People, my understanding mm-hmm. is that uh, some some of the people backstage knew of what had happened. Yeah. And they did not tell Bruce until after the show. Sure. And, you know, uh, folklore has it. Mm-hmm. That, and I remember when he did this. Uh, yeah. During the show, he sang Point Blank. Right. And he was standing on the front of the stage and it was really dark, except there was one spotlight. I I remember this right on. So everybody was sort of dark on stage and he had the spotlight on him. Of course, you know, the song Point Blank. And at the very, very end of the song, he says, bang, bang, baby, you're dead. Wow. And the folklore is that approximately when he sang that song is when Lennon got shot. Oh, it's chilling. (laughs) Oh, chilling. So uh, and after the concert. Uh, we were heading to our car and mm-hmm. we noticed these girls crying. Yeah. And we were like, what the heck's going on? And we got in the car and right away we turned it to 94 WISP, which is a radio station in Philly that would always played Springsteen, um, had Ed Shockey and, and was always pro Springsteen. And we thought that we, you know, turn it on right away and listen to more Springsteen music and talk about the concert. And we turned it on and it was all Beatle music. We're like, what the heck's going on? And that's when we found out we were in the car. So you know, I um, I was working overnights at a company called Acme Truckline. I was a dispatcher, and um, I did not hear it on Monday Night Football or everything. It was, um, I think late night news or something. I, I caught it, and uh, I remember just. You know the shock and the bizarreness of it. Um, you know, and I remember. I'll use this as a segue. I, um, you know, I graduated high school in '77, and I remember hearing about Elvis Presley's death, and the sadness I felt. Um, you know, losing him because, you know, uh, my family were big Elvis fans. Um. You know, I love. I had a good friend, Mark, who uh, was crazy about Elvis. He had all the CDs. Uh, well, back then they were eight-track tapes, right? Right. Um, you know, listening to a lot of the modern era, and you know, in in you know, if there was an Elvis movie on, you went and saw it. You know, you watched it on TV. I can remember going to see Elvis movies at the movie theater. Um, so. Um, just amazing uh, loss. So, uh, how about you? Where did you? So, if anyone who knows you knows you love Bruce and you love Elvis, so talk to me. You've told us how you found um, Bruce. Tell us how you found Elvis. Yeah, actually, um, I remember. I guess like any kid in that day, right, boy or girl, uh, there was just something special, you know, about Elvis, his charisma yeah. and everything, and. I remember, um, you know, my family, my mom and dad both loved music. You know, my dad especially, you know, we had a record player in the, in the living room mm-hmm. and we always played records just about every night. Uh, mostly it was all about Italian singers, you know, Frank Sinatra, Al Martino. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dean Martin, you know, but uh, but on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. uh, my mom would get up very early, go to church 
and then come back and start making, we call it gravy, but sauce, right. spaghetti sauce. Right. And she would put on um, Elvis gospel music. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to stop you right there. I, I was in my 40s maybe. I don't know. It was adulthood, and it was the Sopranos when they called it gravy. And I had to go back then, look it up in the internet. What what the heck are they talking about? And I did, you know, I you know, um, my dad was, by the way, a sergeant in the army, and so we moved around a lot. But I was born in Louisiana. My mom was born in Louisiana, and my grandparents owned a dairy farm. So I spent a lot of time in Louisiana. And a lot of southern cooking, not Cajun cooking specifically, but you know, um, you know, liver and liver and onions and fresh cornbread and biscuits and you know, beans and and you know, a lot of smothered steaks and pots of you know green beans and field peas and all this stuff. So. Um, and but my yeah, my mom loved Elvis. I, though I do remember. Um, my dad, not as a big Elvis fan, like wanted to go find a record so he could hear someone sing Peace in the Valley except GD Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, okay. So your mom's playing Elvis, uh, gospel, um, while she's, uh, cooking the big, um, Sunday dinner. Oh gosh. I, I can smell the tomatoes. Oh Yeah. Eating. And I can just hear the, you know, uh, J.D. Souther and the Stamps Quartet and Elvis singing. Uh, you you paint a very vivid picture, my friend. Yeah, that that was a, that was a Sunday morning, and you're exactly right. I woke up to the smell of the of the uh, the sautéed garlic and uh, and the Elvis music, and mm-hmm. um, and I just you know with that uh, I really took a liking to Elvis. As a matter of fact, my first performance was i think i was maybe eight years old uh a friend of mine was a girl and she had a birthday party and uh and i don't know if she asked me or if i asked her to sing mm-hmm. but um uh, we put the record on and, and in front of all the kids there um i sang flaming star by oh Elvis. nice yeah and uh and that started my career jesse there Little you go <laughs> That is awesome. Um, so I had watched uh, – my son is now 26, but um, when my wife was pregnant, when he – yeah, I guess when she she was pregnant, we watched um, an Elvis uh, 56, I think, documentary and, um, and some other Elvis things, and I would sing to um, her pregnant stomach, you know – Treat me like a fool, <laughs> and so um, that was nice, man. Do that again. Thank you. <laughs> so I, so I can remember this, and and I shared with this before we recorded. But um, Chris was ten or eleven, and we went up. We were going to go to Kentucky, where my dad lives, for a family reunion, and we left Dallas, Texas, and we ended up getting to Memphis, and we said, "Well, hey, we're here. We've got to tour Graceland." And, you know, he had really no interest in going. And, oh, my goodness, he became obsessed with Elvis. Hmm. He bought Elvis CDs. He he wanted to marry um, Lisa Marie so he could go upstairs. You know, the thing is, Graceland 
you know, Elvis never allowed anyone to go upstairs. So right. when they tour Graceland, you don't go upstairs. And, you know, I tried to say, Chris, it's probably just storage now, you know, but in her, his mind, it's this magical secret, you know, kingdom that he can't go to. Right. Um, if he ever became a millionaire, that's what he would want to spend his money on first. I want to tour upstairs in Graceland. Um, so uh, we listened to so much Elvis and um, we still joke about that if if I'm in the car and it's serious radio, um, he will change it from E Street Channel to the Elvis Channel. Yeah. And, you know, I'm OK with that. Uh, you know, I, I we can live with that. And um, it is just, uh, you know, there is I till we get a Bruce Christmas CD. You know, it's going to be Elvis right. uh, at Christmas. So, um, so your very first recording, you're that, you know, your first performance. So uh, you kind of balanced your love of Elvis and Bruce? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, so going forward, I guess, um, let me next by saying that uh, if you want to do a timeline as far as dates are concerned, uh, the same tour – uh, the river tour, mm-hmm. Bruce, Bruce circled back and came back to Philly. Yeah. And, uh, he continued the, the, uh, river tour. Yeah. And I, and the second time I saw him was July 18th, 1981. Okay. At the spectrum. And that was two days after Harry Chapman died. Oh, so I was a big Harry Chapman fan too. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, so was I. And, yeah. uh, he, so uh, I'm gonna, hang on, Nick. So sure. at this point, um, I am worried about Brian Wilson. If you go see Bruce again, because <laughs> Bruce, you know, Brian is my other obsession. I love the Beach Boys. So I'm a little worried because there's a bad trend here of you seeing <laughs> Bruce and musical icons being uh, uh, losing their lives. Well, I, I truly thought that early on for yeah. sure uh, the, for the first the first two uh, shows. And as a matter of fact, I the only tickets. I've kept, and yeah. I, I mean, people ask me, how many times have you seen Bruce? I, I, tr- I don't know. I mean. You've lost count. You're one of those fans. Put put it this way. Yeah. I've never missed a tour since the first time I saw him in okay. 1980. And every tour that he went, I've seen him multiple times. So. And, and I, that is the yeah. beauty of living on the East Coast. Um, you know, I. I I love living in Dallas and there's a lot of advantages of this, but I am jealous of, you know, people in Jersey, New York, Philly, you know, that, you know, you can see multiple times each tour and, uh, and that's just great. And I, you know, I would, I would, if I was there. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Um, so, uh, so over the years, um, okay. So actually, then, as far as sort of, I guess, coinciding uh, the Bruce and and the Elvis, yeah, if you will, um, in nineteen eighty six, I think it was. Okay. Um, I got married. I I bought a home uh, immediately. My wife was pregnant, and I had my son. Yes. Um, and there was a local bar in Philly uh, that was having a talent contest. Mm-hmm. And the winner gets five hundred dollars. All right. So I was talking to my next door neighbor at the time. He was a drummer. I said, yeah. uh, "Let's, you know, let's." I told him about it. I said, "Let's, let's. Do you know any musicians? Let's put something together and let's mm-hmm. uh, enter." 
So he said, well, my brother plays bass guitar. And I was like, great. I said, as a matter of fact, I know a guitar player. So I got him and then he knew another guitar player. So it was two guitar players, a bass player, a drummer and myself. And we got together down my basement. We were all together and we're like, okay, what do we want to do? And um, I said, I'll tell you what, why don't we do an Elvis show? And that's what we did. We learned five songs. We entered in the contest. And this was the first time that I ever did it somewhat, not professionally, but out in a yeah. crowd, really, that did it. And I rented this most obnoxious Elvis suit from a truck company. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and I think I even had a mustache then. Okay. And, uh, and then we went to the bar, and we won that night. And we kept advancing. You had to keep advancing. And we made it to the finals, and we called ourselves the King and Company. Ah, oh, nice. And uh, we won the contest. And I'll never forget it as we're packing up our equipment. Somebody came up to me and said, man, you guys are really good. Where are you playing at next? And I just looked at him for a second, and I'm like, well, we're not real. We're not a band. We just got together for for this contest. I said, would you actually pay to see us play? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay. So I grabbed everybody. I said, let's learn 40 songs. And I mimicked our show the way Springsteen did. Springsteen would always do two, like he would always do two sets in a night. Right. And, um, and that's the way I structured the show. And um, from 86, 87, the King and Company was born and we, played throughout the Philly area and did, uh, and that was the first like Elvis tribute show that started out. Um, and, um, I moved to, uh, Maryland for a couple of years, uh, got some new band members, the King and company Two, as I called it, and then moved to, um, central PA, which is where I live now. And, um, when I moved here, I sort of decided it was just getting to be too much. I had two kids now and um, I was literally about ready to stop when I get a phone call from a gentleman who got my name from somebody mm -hmm. and he said, Hey, we're looking for a lead singer. It's a seven piece band. We're looking for a lead singer. Um, and I was like, well, what do you mean lead singer? He said, well, we want to do an Elvis show. That's how we got your name, but we also need a lead singer to do other music. And I said, oh, you mean like Springsteen? He's like, yeah. I said, I'm in. So throughout the 90s, I was with a band called the Fabulous Heartbreak Band. And uh, we did all types of music. We uh, we ended up playing on cruise ships. Uh, we opened up for the Coasters, the Drifters, the Platters, the Marvelettes. Bobby oh. uh, that whole circuit. And we did the Elvis show. And then when we did dance music, we would do Springsteen and and everything and that's what really catapulted me to to um to entertaining but all along that ride starting um actually in the 80s i kept telling people and mostly the heartbreak band i said one day i'm gonna sing with bruce springsteen in front of thousands of people yeah and i've been and i've been saying that for over 20 years and of course, they laughed when I said that and everything and just shrugged it off. But I believed it. And um, so, yeah, let's let's kind of talk about this, because I already can tell I'm going to have to have you on another time because I have so many questions 
about like the you know the cruise ship and and you know and playing and everything but um let's talk about um you know how you got on stage um all of you should have seen it if you haven't it's very easy you google philly elvis springsteen and the video will cop up it was on the springsteen documentary so talk about kind of the experience and also you've shared with me a lot of things happened because of you being in the movie right well yeah well first okay. off um I, as i said before you know i just it was just the top of my bucket list you know? right i just wanted to perform with springsteen and honest to god as i said before i really did vision it um mm -hmm. when i saw him for the very first time in 1980 yeah and um uh, a couple times now I have re I had since been divorced and then I I'm, I was remarried. Okay. And my lovely wife Dottie, who was in the movie. Yes. Um, she we were going to a few shows. One of them was Hershey, and there was another show. I can't remember where it was, but in both instances, I said, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to wear my Elvis suit. I'm going to go to the concert and hope that we're close enough." And he'll he'll ask me to come up on stage. And both times, the Hershey show, and I think it was the Philly show, I had the suit with me, and I backed out. I said, I'm not doing it. I said, it's stupid. I'm not doing it. And, my, and Dottie was mad, you know? So the next time, he was coming to the Spectrum in 2009. Mm -hmm. And this is, he's going to be one of the last shows at the Spectrum before they tore it down. Right. Second to the last show. And she said, all right, here's the deal. If you're going to bring your suit, promise me, promise me you're going to go through with it. And I said, I promise. So we went to Florida to visit my brother. And then we flew into Philly that Monday morning. We stayed at the hotel right at the sports complex there. And uh, we had tickets on the floor. And we had to go, as you know, for the uh, drawing. Right. You know, you have to go and you have to go early and give them your name, that type of thing, and get your wristbands. So we got our wristbands. We went back to the hotel. We were starving. So it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we're eating at the hotel at the restaurant. And I look at her, and I said, I'm not doing it. Not <laughs> and she just looked at me and said, well, guess what? You promised this time there is no way you're backing out. I'm like, oh. And at the same time, actually, the Phillies were playing the Dodgers that night. This is October 19th, 2009. Yeah. They were in the playoffs. And we initially had tickets for that, but we didn't go because then, then we found out about the Springsteen. You know, we got tickets yeah. for the Springsteen tour. Uh, but my son was at the game. Okay? Yeah. So – so um, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm feeling really stupid, but okay. So I put the suit on. We leave the hotel. We're walking to the Spectrum because uh, we had to be there by like 4.30 or quarter five for them to pick the drawing. And as I'm walking there, people were like, hey, Elvis, man, cool. You know, like everybody's yeah. pretty into it, and it made me feel at ease, you know? Sure. So, so we get there, and we had a sign. And this was the idea of my wife, Dottie. She said, let's put a sign together that says, can the king sing with the boss? Nice. So we had the sign. We're in line. Okay, so I'm going to stop you there for a minute because okay. all I'm thinking of is I'm glad you stepped up because, oh, what names, 
your fellow Eagle fans would call you <laughs> if you did if you chickened out. And it I'm 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 thinking, you know, of a of a type of house cat maybe. Yes. Yes, that we should we're gonna exactly. keep this uh uh this podcast clean. But uh so I'm so glad that your lovely bride said step up, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, go for it. Exactly. So, yep, exactly. I'm, I would have backed out again. Oh, and I, you know what? I would have been right there with you. I can understand yeah. like, okay, you know, sometimes, you know, it isn't like when I go to a Doctor Who convention, you know, I put on my Doctor Who hockey jersey, you know, I'm with the group. I mean, not a lot of people dress up for a Springsteen concert you know someone asked has anyone ever dressed up in a chicken costume you know play atlantic city i'm the chicken man you know and I'm like, it's just not so all right so you're being embraced by your fellow bruce fans they think it's cool they're going way to go king yeah 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 Ella, so they, they, yeah. people wanted pictures with me yeah. uh we had to sign up can the king sing with the boss we're in line now waiting for the drawing right so they're ready for the drawing and people are saying let elvis pick the drawing Oh, and I was like, no freaking way. No yeah, way. Because if I get early, they're going to think that I learned how to palm. <laughs> you know, yeah, right, exactly. I, I didn't want any part of it. Yeah. You know? So, so uh, someone else did the drawing. And as it turns out, like all the stars had to be in line for this, mm -hmm. this yeah. magical moment. So somebody else picked the number. And sure enough, Dottie and I, we were like, we were like number 98 and 99th person to walk into the spectrum. Okay. Yeah. So we walk in and we are like the, we are on the left side of, uh, you know how there's the stage and then he has like a walkout. Right. Like, like, a, like a, like a walkout stage. We were on the corner of that we were, our hands were touching that. Okay, okay. That's how close we were. So we're there and we're waiting and waiting and people were just loving it, man. They, you know, we're, all right, man. Like, man, I hope you do it. Like they were really like, you know, I hope you do it. I hope you do it. And one guy's like, all right, man, I know you're going to get on stage. Don't embarrass us. You know, he was like, I was like, all right. And I think this is amazing. And, and, and if I'm not true, I don't want to know, don't call me out listeners, but I, it seems to be the people in the pit and even the people in the audience there isn't a jealousy of, oh, my goodness, this person got to be on stage and I didn't. There is a joy that this person did this. You know, it, it, like the, the video of the, you know, Mother's Day where she got on stage and they did say the last answer to me, which I just love that video. Right. There's no jealousy that she got up there and danced. I mean, a little jealousy, but not a negative, not a, oh, I can't believe this happened and why didn't it happen to me? It is more, how cool is that? So right. you're, you're hitting it yeah. on the head and, and it goes even beyond just that moment. Yeah. Even up to today, um, you know, just the, acceptance yeah and, and uh the excitement and just yeah. where this has gone right since then has been tremendous so uh, all the people in the pit around you are like if if there is a if there is a way to make their mental you know this happen by mentally wishing it you have everyone around you 
you know, mentally supporting you, physically supporting you, and so much, you know, positive energy, even though you did get a little, hey, don't F it up. <laughs> right, exactly. But that just seems so appropriate for, you know, the Philadelphia area, right? <laughs> exactly. That's tough love. So. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so, uh, so we were there, and that was the night that – that was at the time when he was doing full albums, start to finish. And that night he did the full Born to Run album. Okay. And it was – I think it was right after the Born to Run album, he – uh, they started playing. I think I think he did a little bit of "Raise Your Hands" and yeah. then stopped. And then they kept playing instrumentally. And then and then here came the signs. And yeah. Bruce started pulling all the signs. So he Dottie had the sign. Can the King sing with the Boss? And he grabbed it. And he mm-hmm. and then he was walking in grabbing other signs. Right. Then he came back and he gave Dottie back the sign, and he said, "I'll get back to you." Oh, nice. And we looked, nice. At each, we looked at each other like, what does that mean? Yes, exactly. Okay. So so there was a gentleman that was standing behind, uh, next to me. He actually had a sign that said, "Will you? can you play um, marry, little girl, I want to marry you? Yeah. Because he was, he was getting engaged to his girlfriend. And, and Bruce took that sign and he did play, I want to marry you. Yeah. And he proposed right next to us. And that was really cool. That is cool. So right after that, and you can, and this is where you can actually see it on YouTube because here's where it begins, where Bruce is standing there and he says, all right, he goes, um, we're going to try it. We're graced by the King himself. And he said, this is a great song by Otis Blackwell. And then he starts doing all shook up. Yes. So now he's doing it, and the crowd's you know the crowd's into it. The camera guy is right in my mug. Yeah. So the big screens at the spectrum, I'm on the big screen. Oh, awesome. So now everybody can get a very good close look up, look at me. Right. And you can feel the buzz in the crowd, like you can just feel the energy, and everybody and everybody's having a great time during Bruce Swafford. Yeah. And I'm dancing and singing in front of the camera, so I'm like mouthing it as everybody sees yeah. me. At the time, I remember thinking to myself, you know what? He's not going to call me up, but that's okay because it already has been one of the greatest nights of my life because prior to that moment, yeah, during the show, all the band members were joking with me, Clarence and yeah. and Steve Van Zandt and, and uh, who kept pointing at me across the stage because we were like in front of near Clarence yeah. and Niels Lofgren. Oh my God, Niels was joking with me all night. Um, it was just a, it was just a great, already a great night. Yes. And I, was, and I was accepting the fact that he wasn't going to call me up, but it was still was fantastic. Yeah, you're going okay. Don't be greedy. Right. You know, he he told your lovely bride, "I'll be back to you." You've had the band uh, joking with you. You've gotten all your fan, you know, all your fellow Bruce buds around there feeling you're, you know, supporting you. You've been on the big screen dancing. He's done an Elvis cover. Um, you know, even gave roots, you know, gave credit to the original artist. And so this is, yeah, at this point you're going, okay, life's pretty good. Right, exactly. And I've never been that close to a Springsteen concert. Yeah. I remember there. So everything was just so, you know, phenomenal. So all of a sudden <clears throat> I'm hearing like, okay, King, come on up. I, I was like, what? And I looked and then, and then all I felt was people like, picking me up because the stage was really high yes i could tell that and and they were picking me up and i re- and this is the one uh, 
I don't remember too many things during that whole episode on stage. I really sure. don't. It's so surreal. But the one thing I do remember, and when I see it on video, I, I just like look at it and shake my head a little bit because I remember as I was trying to get up on stage, I see this hand in front of my face and I look up and it's Bruce putting his hand out to help me get on stage. And I remember saying to myself, don't touch his hand. I can do it myself. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it was out of respect. Yes. Like I didn't want to touch him. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. I, it, was, it was that type of thing. So this is crazy. I don't know what's going to happen. So I stand up on stage. I'm like literally right in front of him. <clears throat> and he hands me the mic. And the band's playing. And I'm like, okay, this is it. Yes. So I start singing All Shook Up. Yes. And, <laughs> and I turn around and – not knowing, not seeing anybody on stage. Yeah. So I'm focused now on the crowd. Right. But it was after the fact that I saw the video that I then things really started p coming together. All the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Once I saw the video. But he, I grabbed the mic and now I'm singing and, and just – it was just an amazing moment. The crowd's going crazy. I'm right. seeing this. I'm here. I'm at the spectrum where I first saw him many years ago. And here I am standing at the same place with Bruce. Yes. It was just an amazing moment. And as I'm singing, I remember as I kept going that the excitement, whatever, but I think I was standing in front of Clarence then. And all I heard was like Max's drum yeah, and something else in my ear, because I guess all the band members had earpieces for right. their, for their, you know, uh, monitors. Yeah. So I felt myself starting to sing off key because yeah. I couldn't – it was sure. just everything going on, and I couldn't pick it up. I will tell you um, I have not sung professionally. You know, I, I've only sung you know, in choir and you know, different things, but um, I've, I have a lot of friends who are, and it said, you know, you can't heal yourself. And so the monitors really do help you kind of keep going. And so, you know, there's all that noise and you're just with no monitor or anything I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I performed for years. You need monitors. You yeah, know? absolutely. And, and um, so I remember saying to myself, uh oh, I got to do something here because um, I, I need to pick this. up." Oh, by the way, too, when you see in the video, when I dropped to my knee. Yeah. I pulled my hamstring and I kicked out my leg. But when I kicked out my leg, it looked like it was an Elvis move. Yeah. But it was really because I my I felt my hamstring pulling. Right. So I stand up and then I'm saying to myself, I gotta I gotta do something here. So I looked at Bruce and that's why I went, hit it, Bruce. And then he started doing the guitar solo. Yeah. And then at this point I'm saying, Okay, now where do we go? Right. There is no guitar solo and all shook up. Yes. So I said, I'll change the song. So I look at Max and Max, like he's drumming, he's got a smile on his face. And then when he looked at me and this is all musicians know, you know, they're following the singer yeah. they pick up cues and Max knew right away that I was about to do something. Right. So I backed up a little bit near Max and I raised my arm. And then right at the end of his solo, I just went into blue suede shoes. Right. And the band didn't miss a beat. It, they were right with me. There is it, – it is amazing, and 
and I I'm gonna tell you right now I'm you know I am a gushing fanboy of the E Street Band. You know when you see the signs they pick up, and you know the example I give all the time is you know Jolie Blanc. They had not planned it. They had not toured it. They were there in Melbourne, and you know, and you know, they Susie does a violin uh, solo and the accordion. I mean, just this. You're like, how can they do that? So you know, here's a perfect example, right? You're doing blue suede shoes, and they switch immediately, and you're rolling. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And then I remember the one other thing that I do remember clearly yeah. is. As I'm singing it, in the corner of my eye, I see yeah. Bruce coming to me, and I remember saying to myself, as I'm singing, looking yeah. at the crowd, saying, uh-oh, Nick, I think you're done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bruce comes up, and, 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 I say, and I say, take it home, Bruce. I give him the mic, and yeah. he says, Elvis has left the building. Yes. So I, I give my bows. You know, yeah. I bow to the crowd. I bow to the E Street Band, and when I jumped off stage – this was the point you made earlier. People just mobbed me. Yes. And I couldn't find Dottie. Yeah. And it was like the Rocky movie when, you know, Rocky's like looking yeah. for Adrian, you know, I'm yeah. like looking. Dottie. Yeah. Dottie. And then I finally get to her and we hug and it's just like, yeah. oh my God, you know, the dream came true, you know? Yes. And then I look up and then he's at the point where he says, the Philly Elvis, the Philly Elvis. And then he says, I have no idea where the F he came from. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and I think he says that to show everybody that this was not planned. Yes, I think so too. You know? So, okay, so so real quick. And I, so, so we're there the rest of the show. And it was just amazing. And the yes. show's over. And it took forever for us to get out of there because so many people wanted pictures. Oh, from, from I imagine you – I I'm I have said this many times and I will say it many times uh, with all um, with all respects to Disney the happiest place on earth is a Bruce Springsteen concert no doubt and so you're already feeling higher than a kite and then you've performed so you have you know that um, adrenaline rush you have after a show oh, you know yeah. I, I do that. When I do a panel at a comic convention, you know, there's this rush after you. And so you've got a double rush. You Not only you've seen Bruce, which is great in itself, not only has he acknowledged you, but you've been on the stage and actually got to sing a couple of Elvis songs, and he calls you out the Philly Elvis. So, you know, at this point, you're going, pretty good little night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, 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 listen to this then. Then, yeah. and then it just gets, then it get, then it completes. Okay. Oh, by the, by the way, too, during, as I get on stage, my son, who I told you was at the Phillies game, yeah, was texting my wife Dottie and mm -hmm. says, "Did my dad get on stage yet?" Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, "He's up there right now," and he's texting back, "No way." Yeah. He's no effing way, right? Yeah, it's like exactly. Well, he's at the game. He stands up at the game and from the top of his lung yells, my dad's on stage with Bruce Springsteen. My dad's on stage with Bruce Springsteen. He just couldn't believe it. So so we're like huge Philly fans, right? So we, we finally get out of the spectrum. We're running to our hotel 
so we can catch the end of the game. Yeah. The Phillies game. So we get to the hotel. We're like on the top floor. We get to our room. We open up the the shades, uh, the, the the drapes, and right out of our window is the view of Citizens Bank Park, the open end. So we can actually see inside the park and hear the crowd from our stadium. It's the ninth inning. J-Roll is up. We put the game on TV. We can actually hear the crowd through the window. Mm-hmm. We got the game on. J-Roll hits the game-winning hit in the bottom of the ninth. Nice. win. They're doing fireworks out of our window. It was like, it was just like, we looked at each other like, this was just an unbelievable, amazing night. So the next morning, my phone rings. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm like sore, tired, no voice. And it was my buddy. And he wakes me up the next morning. And I answer the phone. And the first thing he says is, all he says is, what the hell did you do last night? I'm like, who is this, Bill? He's like, yeah. He goes, they're talking about you on the radio, and you're on YouTube. And I was like, what's going on? And here, 94 WISP, people were calling in saying that I was a plant. That that Bruce, that Bruce, it was cool that Bruce had Elvis, like they planned it. Mm-hmm. And then I called the radio station. And I said, "Listen, I, you know, I'm I'm hearing uh, what's going on." I said, "I introduced myself, and I said I could tell you it wasn't a plan." Yeah. So they had me on, and I talked for like an hour there uh, about all well, what had happened, and um, and that just started it. And from that point, um, it, you know, has just been amazing. Uh, the movie came out. Springsteen and I, we got filmed yeah. in South Philly. Uh, we were eating our favorite cheesesteaks, yes. uh, Luke's cheesesteaks, um, and um, they had the premiere in New York. Uh, we took a limo uh, to see the premiere. We were invited to the premiere. We met the director and the producer, um, actually, um, and, and I guess I'm trying to hurry because I know we don't have much time, but but there's, okay. just, there's just so much that has happened because we, we, we got filmed in South Philly, and then we handed in our our segment. So I want to ask you about that, and yeah, we, we, we can go a little bit long, and then we'll kind of do some other stuff unless you need to get going. No, um, I'm good. I'm good. So, um, so you um, you had a friend or someone record the conversation on the bench while you guys are eating your cheesesteaks, and and it is, uh, it's very clear that. You know, she's in love with you and she's so proud of you. You know, I, I think it's a great segment. Um, and, and I love the whole film anyway. But so um, so you're – was this – were you like any other fan just submitting your stuff and hoping you'd make it? Or had they reached out to you saying, hey, this is a great story. We think we should – we want to have this. You know, the first time I ever heard about the movie was my son. Yeah. He emailed me and said, Dad, he said, take a look at this. I think this is, you know, it's perfect. Yeah. And then I saw what they were doing, mm-hmm. um, what the movie was going to be all about. So um, I met this guy who just for the Springsteen and I movie. We went in South Philly. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and, and videotaped this. And um, he uh, he put it together. And then when we send it in, they immediately – responded the producer 
and said, man, this is exactly what we're looking for. Awesome. And, um, and that's how it started. And, um, they, they kept emailing me, asking me questions, asking me questions. Um, and then we didn't know, I didn't hear anything and we just didn't know because we knew that the, you know, they already scheduled the date as to when they were going to air the movie. Right. And it was coming to that date. I think it, well, it was May. Mm -hmm. I think it was the Mm -hmm. first, first week of June that I found out. And I found out because, um, I went for a jog on a Monday. It was a Monday. It was the first Monday in, was it May or June? I think it was May. It was May. First Monday in May of that year. Um, and I haven't heard anything yet from them. And, um, I ended up going for a jog and, Long story short, I basically had a mini stroke. And oh, okay. I, and I went to the hospital, and I was there overnight. And it wasn't until the next day with my iPad as I was checking out, and it was uh, a scary two days. Oh, and sure. I, I can imagine. And I wasn't, uh, you know, my head wasn't, you know, a lot of thoughts then come into your, your head. And right before I was checking out, I see this email that I made the movie. Oh, cool. And... They said, you not only made the movie, but we put you in the coming attractions that they released. And they said, we're sorry that we, we, we waited so late, but here's what happened. And I don't know how much I could share with you. I'm going to be real careful. Okay, sure. But I almost didn't get in the movie because there was a... Um, there was a, I don't want to say this. Um, there was an, there was an enterprise. There was a company, an organization. Elvis enterprise. Yeah, I guess I could say it. Elvis Presley enterprises mm-hmm. that said you cannot put him in the movie because one of his resemblance of what I wore. Yeah. And two of the songs I sang unless we're compensated. And <sighs> what a, and I know, and, I, and, I, and I'm, and I'm, and that's why I, I so, yeah. um, so they went around and around and around and around and, um, and they then, because of what was being asked and everything of, of, uh, what they were asking for, finally people said, look, we, then we're just not going to have him in the movie and they've got to have him in there. And then they all agreed and they came to terms and that's why they um, once they released the coming attractions, like the movie was right after. They actually delayed them. They they delayed everything because they were fighting about that. Um, so I really really appreciated that. Uh, it was somewhat shared in the email, and then you know when I was there at the uh, premiere was when you know I had some conversations. But uh, I was so so happy. Uh, it just turned out great. It was a great premiere. I met people within the movie. Uh, like Lisa Purcell, uh, just a wonderful person, and and um, other people within the movie, um, Teresa Martin and her son, uh, they were at the premiere as well. Mm-hmm. And then after the movie, um, they had a panel. Jim Rotola was there from E Street Radio, yeah. and uh, they had a panel. And uh, actually, uh, Rolling Stone magazine was actually vi- videoing it. They were streaming it, and the director was there. Uh, from England, and uh, they asked me to be part of the panel. There was like six of us. Nice. Yeah, I was asking the questions. This was after the movie shown. Mm-hmm. And they had a Q&A with the crowd. 
And uh, the very first question directed towards the panel was towards me. Mm-hmm. And the question was, uh, we see that you were eating a cheesesteak in the movie. What was your favorite cheesesteak? Ah, nice. <laughs> and uh, and then I told him, yeah, I told him Tony yeah. Luke's and uh, so anyway, um, you know, just, you know, because of all that, I just can't begin to say I've met just wonderful, wonderful people within East Street Nation like yourself. You know, I yeah. mean, here we are, um, you know, I had the privilege of, of um, entertaining in Jersey with some terrific, terrific musicians. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vinnie Mad Dog Lopez, you know, met him a few times. Oh, uh, nice. Guy, uh, just recently uh, performed. Uh, at the 40th uh, anniversary of the Born mm-hmm. to Run. Yeah. And it was actually also to raise money and awareness for uh, heroin addiction, which is running rampant. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And that was in uh, Hershey a few, uh, I guess it was last month. Yeah. And uh, Max Weinberg opened up the night with the band and did some songs and happened to had the opportunity to uh, meet with Max backstage after he was done because I was going on stage like pretty much next. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the band and uh, had a, had a real nice conversation with Max. And it was funny because, um, you know, all these years, it's been six years now, believe it or not, that mm-hmm. and I said to Max, I said, well, first of all, I said, Max, remember me? And he looks at me and goes, yeah, man. And he goes, you were on stage with us at the Spectrum in Philly, you know? And we were laughing and we were talking. And I said, look, I have to ask you. I said, this has truly been on my mind. I said, I really don't know. I you know, I never really heard feedback from anybody within the band and especially Bruce, you know, did, did you guys, did did you think it was okay? Or did Bruce be like, man, what a, you know, guy came, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know what they were thinking. He's like, Oh my God, he thought it was great. He said, we loved it. I mean, it was just some, some really great feedback. And that was, that was pretty awesome. You know, um, you talking about the people thinking it's a plant, you know, um, uh, a few years ago, Kristen Chenowick had uh, a voice teacher, Sarah Horn, on stage, and they did For Good. And it was amazing, and everyone said, oh, it's a plant because she's too good and, you know, and it's too perfect. And, you know, um, Sarah Horn did a blog, says this is absolutely not a plant. I just, you know, this this kind of lightning in a bottle. And it's the same thing, you know, and um, I think what was perfect is – you didn't overstay your welcome, if I can put it that way. You know, it's um, there's a video of two brothers at the Houston show doing No Surrender. Yes, and and, you know, awesome. and, and yeah, I mean, there's just just joy in there, and and I do think that you know the same thing. They didn't overstay their welcome. They went there, and then you know when it was time to get off, they did. And you know, I think you like when you said. You know, you got the feeling, okay, I, I've had my moment in the sun. I, I have, you know, I made a very, very big wish. It's come true. I'm going to get while the getting's good because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make this unpleasant for anyone. Um, and that, so that's wonderful, all the good things that have happened and that they remember you and they think of you, you know, with such affection. Yeah, well, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's just been, um, you know, as I said, I, I can't even, you know, say enough of, uh, yeah. of all the people I've met. And because of the movie of just, yeah, you know, the relationships I have built, I guess, mm-hmm. from around the world. Yeah. You know, um, from from many, many countries. And because of that, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually was asked to perform 
um, and I'm going to the last weekend of January. Um, Dottie and I were headed off to England. Oh, and, how awesome. Uh, yep. They're actually doing uh, a huge weekend at the Hind Hotel mm -hmm. in Wellingboro, England. Uh, they're doing a Bruce Springsteen weekend, and it's going to nice. be a celebration of uh, Springsteen music. Uh, they did get the okay where all proceeds is actually going to the Light of Day Foundation. Oh, wow. And uh, there's going to be some Springsteen uh, tribute bands playing mm -hmm. uh, both Friday night and Saturday night. And uh, Saturday night, I'm going to open up for one of the Springsteen tribute bands. I'm going to be doing a show. When is that happening? Uh, that's the last weekend of January. Okay. Um, I forget the exact dates. All right, so I, here's the plan. Let's have you um, later this year, maybe uh, November, December, before you're going. We'll have you on again. We'll talk some more music and some more Elvis stories and, and Bruce stories because we didn't get to talk about him doing Bernie Love in Nashville and, and you know, the – influence how much bruce loves elvis and how he recognizes him so i want to talk about that more and then after the gig i want to have you on and talk about the experience so does that work yeah no absolutely okay. man i i appreciate uh, yeah, it yeah i know i just you've been a great guest and and i i think i've just scratched the surface of the stories we could tell <laughs> um and you know i it's just you know, the whole purpose of this podcast is really just to do this. It's an excuse for me to get to talk to Bruce fans and kind of have them show the stories. And hopefully people listening enjoy it as well. So, well, yeah, Jesse, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, and again, man, I mean, this has just been so much fun. Oh, and, good. Uh, some just met. Uh, again, some of the nicest, nicest people that I, I'm uh, proud to call my my friends. Yes. Um, and um, you know, it's just it's just a great uh, <laughs> it's just a great great situation. And I'm looking forward to going to England and yeah. meeting people who I've talked to through social media these last few years. I've now mm -hmm. actually get a chance to meet them mm -hmm. in England. And oh, that's uh, awesome. And looking forward to so, but thanks, Jesse, man. I All right, so hang on just a minute. Uh, let's say, and if you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that implies, please send an email to setlustingbruce at gmail.com. Nick, if they want to reach you, how can they find you? Um, oh, thank you for that. Um, actually, I'm on Twitter at Philly Elvis, um, and you can go to uh, com. And that will actually take you to my fan page on Facebook, which is uh, Facebook backslash the Philly Elvis. Awesome. So and um, just tons of information are there. Uh, I have plenty of videos on YouTube and and um, so but yeah, and I'm more than happy to, uh, you know, to talk to anyone and. And uh, so reach out to me, man. I appreciate it. Come right. see the show. Absolutely. So we're going to finish up with. How many men fail, their dreams denied, they walk through the streets with death in their eyes. Now the man on the radio says, Elvis Presley's died. Come on, come on, let's go tonight. Nice, I like it. Thank you guys, we'll talk to you soon, bye. You just heard the fun talking. Hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce.
Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.